1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Bike racing's great, isn't it? And the Tour de France is the greatest race of all. In just the first week, we've had drama, comedy, heartbreak, passion, and some of the finest scenery in the world. Much of it captured by Rouleur's correspondent in the peloton, James Start. You can see his pictures and daily updates on Ruler's social media channels. And you can, of course, still get hold of issue 112 of the magazine. That's the double edition, which is packed with stories about the men's tour and the Tour de France Femme, which follows straight afterwards. Now, James uh, joins us from morzine now. James, how's it going, first of all?
3: Well, um, it's going pretty good. We're already at our second rest day. And, um, well, I always thought rest days were for just that, rest. So I'm happy to be sitting down here. Doing the podcast with you and, and relaxing and thinking back about the amazing uh, first, what, eight, nine days of racing.
2: And ruler editor Ed Pickering is also in the Alps, a different bit of the Alps, I think, um, but and struggling to find a higher car that's big enough to take a bike.
1: Just doing the logistical shenanigans part of getting to the Tour de France. I'm in Animas, which is just 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 over the hill from Morzine, so I'm not, I'm not far from the Tour. I, by the end of today, I hope to be in the Tour bubble and safely safely on my way.
2: OK, well, where do we start over the past eight or nine days? Um, can we, shall we start with Wout van Aert uh, leaving aside his mad breakaway in yellow? Um, he's had an amazing uh, uh, start to the tour, hasn't he?
3: Well, actually, I, I don't think you should uh, leave that away um, because I thought, I thought that was in some ways the, the greatest thing he did. I mean, we all know he's going to win a lot of stages, but to, to have gone off on that maybe mad breakaway um, but what a show it was, you know, and, and, and that's the beauty of the sport and the great champions. They understand they're not just about getting results and raising their hands at their line. It's about the show that they put on. And I think he got out there and he said, okay, look, I'm going to lose the Jersey today or tomorrow at the latest. So why don't you, I go out and style. And it was this sort of like 200 kilometer long goodbye. I just thought it was beautiful. And, you know, fans along the road, get to see the, the yellow Jersey up front and center I thought that was one of the real highlights of. It was such, you know, what's the word? It was a beau geste, you know, and um, and I don't have any other words for it. I thought it was beautiful.
2: Tom Pickcock's description of it was that he's just taking the piss, isn't he?
3: Yeah. Well, he's he's young. This is his first Tour to France. He maybe doesn't get all of the the subtleties and the 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 you know the subtle beauty of the race. But I just thought it was. I thought it was beautiful.
1: Undoubtedly, one of the two personalities of the Tour de France up to now, he's along with Tadej Pogacar. When you look back over Wout van Aert's Tour de France, what he's done shouldn't really be possible. He's been on on stage one, two and three. He came second on those three days in a, in a time trial and two bunch sprints. He was the winner of stage four. Um, he single-handedly rescued Jonas Vingegaard's Tour de France on stage five to um, Arenberg over the Cobbles stage six. He was on the day long break uh, to Longwy. stage seven. He had a quieter day to be fair. And um, that was Super planche de Belleville. Uh stage eight. He was the winner and yesterday on stage nine, he was in the break like every day. He has been one of the four or five most prominent rides in the tour. And over that variety of terrain, it, it, it is, it, it is amazing. I mean, he's, he's a, he's, a special rider, and he's, in, he's obviously in the form of his life at the moment. He's, and he's, he's making hay while the sun shines. He, he, you know, and I, I get the impression he's not, he's not done yet.
3: When you look on paper, he could maybe win, he, potentially, Van Aert could win 15 stages in, in a race like this. He's not going to. But I mean, that's just how versatile and how good he is.
2: And for a non-specialist sprinter, supposedly, he looks quite comfortable in the green jersey at the moment, doesn't he? I
3: think he looks very comfortable. I think he's gonna, I think he's going to take that to Paris with ease
2: so everyone said that the uh, cobbled stage on on bits of the roubaix route was going to smash the race to bits which it sort of did and it sort of didn't didn't it but it was still a it was still a pretty entertaining stage
1: yeah i, I, I enjoyed the cobbled stage I, I think you know the actual cobbles themselves i think it's been pointed out weren't weren't so uh, race defining it was the parts in between that that, that got the riders and, and yeah. There there were bits of bad luck. There were badly timed mechanicals. Well, there's no such thing as a well-timed mechanical, really. But um, it was a fascinating, dynamic race. And also, you know, Pogacar attacked and tried to, you know, go away from the other GC riders. And it looked like he was, you know, getting the tour done and dusted by the end of the first, you know, few days again, you know, same as last year. But, you know, it wasn't as simple as that you know the the race did come back to him to an extent and he didn't didn't gain that much but you know in the end not a huge amount may have changed in the grand scheme of things but at the same time it was one of those days where everything was happening and even if the actual result wasn't race defining I think that the process and the amount of damage it did to the riders legs will you know will have been significant
3: i always love it when the cobbles come to the tour i I love cobblestones i love perry i'd be happy if they're there every year because i I simply think if you're going to win the tour de france you have to be able to do everything and cobbles are part of bike racing um and i just i love it and you know but this is all part of christian prudhomme's vision for the tour if you you know for those of you who who remember back in the day when uh, jean-marie lebron was the director up until about what 2006 you know every tour was the same it was the first week Flat roads across northern France, sprint after sprint after sprint, and then you hit the Alps or the Pyrenees, and then um and then a time trial here and there, and that was it. And the race was, you know, if you the race was decided on time trials and climbing, and it was so formulaic. And Prudum came in and he came from television, and he was like, We've got to make this race more exciting day in and day out. And he does that. I mean, every day in the tour is now so intense, it makes it more exhausting to cover. I'm sure it makes it more exhausting to race, but it certainly makes it more more exciting. I mean, if the race stopped today, we've had an amazing Tour de France, and Pogachar is in yellow, and it's no surprise, you know, and he would be the best, and he probably will be the best in three weeks. But this, this race has been so diverse and so um, intense that the, the best are already at the front.
2: And it's encouraging different types of racing, isn't it? It's in, in, encouraging people to take risks and go for it. And one of the highlights for me was the breakaway featuring uh, Fred Wright and Matteo um, Cataneo, uh, which ended up just being Fred right at the end until the, until the peloton caught him. But again, that was just, just made what could have been quite a dull stage uh, brilliant to watch outrage in a lot of South London that uh, Cataneo got the uh, Competivity Prize uh, that day rather than Fred Wright
1: you're locally biased there Ian I guess but yeah I, I agree and I think I read somewhere that the combativity Prize was kind of nominated before the actual end of the stage and at that point Cataneo was still with Fred Wright and maybe you know I, I there was so much so much attacking and and um, counter know, counterattacking going on the early part of the stage. I, I forget who actually initiated the attack, but if it was Cataneo, then he gains points for that. But yeah, that's that. It, it, the 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 combativity prize is a very very strange and esoteric methodology, which you know probably wouldn't stand up to scrutiny if it was scientifically reviewed. But yeah, it's all part of the color of the race, and it gives gives Wright a good incentive to get up the road again.
3: Yeah, the the, the combativity prize is, is let's say subjective at best a popularity contest at worst i mean most of the time it goes to a french rider i gotta say i remember once jens voigt came up to me and he said james can you believe it you know so and so got the super combative prize and he counted off all the kilometers that he had been in the breakaway that tour and he's like some french guy that you know got it and and it is kind of like that And yesterday it was Pinot who got it and Pinot, you know why why did he get it why didn't um why didn't Bob Youngles get it? I mean, he was out front all day, and he, you know, he won, he won the stage, and I think was probably the most competitive writer in, in the in the tour. But Pino went on the chase. He's got ended up getting fourth and put up a good fight. And I guess it's sort of a consolation prize of some kind. It's it is what it is, you know. But don't take don't take the competitivity prize too seriously. Whereas every other, and that's probably a reason why they don't have a jersey for it. You know, I mean, it's a nice it's a nice prize, but it's not the white jersey. It's not polka dot. It's not green it's sure ain't yellow. Yeah, you
2: just get a different, you get a different colour number, don't you? Well,
1: I yeah.
3: think I think Bob Jungles
1: superbly classy style and rhythm on the bike automatically disqualifies him from the combativity prize.
2: <laughs> okay, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, uh, I guess we should talk about uh, Tadej Pogacar. Why, hello there. Podcast interruption alert, but I will only take a few short moments to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, you will love the regular magazine. So if you're not a reader already, then you can subscribe at ruler.cc for as little as £6 per month. If you don't speak Northern Irish, that's six times 100 pennies. And for the price of a few coffees, you get regular columns from the wonderful Ned Bolting, myself, Orla Shino, and some of the very finest independent cycling journalism there is, all wrapped up in a wondrously beautiful publication. Go to ruler.cc. I'll leave you to it. You can get more out of your rides this summer. The Hammerhead Carew 2 is the most advanced GPS cycling computer available with industry-leading mapping, navigation and routing capabilities. Free global maps with points of interest like cafe stops and campsites mean you can explore with confidence and on-the-go flexibility. Seamlessly and wirelessly import routes from Strava, Komoot and more. Change or reroute on the fly with turn-by-turn directions and upcoming climbs and descents, all in clear colour. For a limited time, Ruler listeners can get a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Hammerhead Karoo 2. Visit hammerhead.io right now and use promo code RULERPOD at checkout. This is Ruler Conversations. I'm Ian Parkinson. I'm with James Start and Ed Pickering, who are out in France, and I'm not jealous at all. Uh, can anyone um, at this stage touch Pogacar?
1: Yes, I believe they can, although, you know, it's, it's as they say, it's the, it's the hope that gets you. But he has looked incredible, and obviously he, he attacked on the cobbles, which, you yeah, know, he, he's not a cobble classic specialist at all, but he, he did so anyway. Um, and he has won a couple of stages in quite yeah, quite aggressive fashion, both in, in Longwy and on the Planche de Belleville. But at the same time, this time last year, I think he was several minutes clear of his rivals. This time around, he's he's still only 39 seconds clear of Vingegaard, who's climbing very well. And I think Pogacar has been quite showy so far this tour, um, which... You know, he was showy last year and gained several minutes. He's been showy this year and hasn't gained that much. And that, I think the cobbled stage, he used up a lot more energy than Vingegaard. Even, you know, with the fact that Vingegaard had to chase back on. Vingegaard had teammates to pace him, whereas Pogacar had to do the work. So has made a lot of effort for not a massive amount of gain. So the tour is still alive at this point, but... Going against Pogarcha's rivals, when you look at every single stage where there has been a GC shake up, from the time trial to the cobbles and to the hilly and mountainous stages, pogachar has finished ahead of all his GC rivals. He did so at Longwy, he did so at La Planche de Belleville, he did so in the uphill sprint at Lausanne, and he did so yesterday at uh, Châtel. So the it's quite obvious who's the strongest in the race. Also quite obvious who's the second strongest in the race. So what his rivals need to do is turn it into a race where the strongest rider doesn't win. And that is not impossible.
3: It's not. Ned actually wrote a, a really good piece about that. Ineos is in a very good position on paper. even Maybe even better today. Uh, because yesterday they, they had four guys what, in the top 10. And then Danny Martinez dropped. But how are they going to play that? The Ineos of old would have just put Danny Martinez on the front to start becoming a team worker for the others. But, you know, I remember David Brailsford after Teo's win at the Giro saying, you know, we're done with that calculated kind of racing. It's so much more fun to go on the attack. And now you got a guy like Martinez, who's now a couple minutes down. He could take, he could go off in the attack, get that time back, turn the race upside down. And you got three guys uh, right on, on Pogacar's wheel. I mean, all kinds of scenarios could happen. Um, They still have, Three or four guys right there to play with, and they, you know, if they use their cards, they can make life very difficult. Also, don't forget, we're we're still racing the time of COVID, and guys are dropping.
2: I was going to say, should we talk about COVID? Because know, yeah, no one wants to, but it's there, and riders are being diagnosed with it, aren't they? Um, the precautions are still strict, but it's uh, it's 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 very much there in the peloton.
3: I think it's probably Pokačar's greatest menace uh, right now because of the greatest unknown factor. I mean, he lost a teammate. Um, he could lose more. He could be very isolated and even Tadej Pogacar can't win the Tour de France alone.
2: James, one of the things you've been doing is talking about how you uh, got different shots at finishes or, or on the race. You've been talking about that on uh, Ruler social media. Um, how's this uh, this edition been um, as a photographer? Um, you know, we're back to sort of normal-sized crowds, um, back to similar racing to, you know, what we, we had before um uh, how's it been from a photographer's point of view
3: um well we have and we haven't from a photographer's perspective there's still a lot of things you can't do there's about two-thirds of what i used to do is now impossible because of covid um or just not interesting i mean we can get into the paddocks in the morning but since the riders are all masked up i mean it's very it's very limited the kind of meaningful pictures you can get before the start um and then we're not allowed to photograph the emotions after the finish line and for years that was like a, a huge uh body of work that i did was just the emotions after the line that's now and forever going to be off limits so really we're only we're limited to what goes on during the race and when you're on a motorcycle you have like i was yesterday and I'm throughout here these days in the alps there's plenty of opportunity but when you're not on a bike you've got one maybe two three options at best plus the finish so it, it's not, it's not it's not, easy by any means compared to most other bike races. Um, that said, the racing has been spectacular, and it's been varied. So I've been able to get, you know, lots of different kinds of pictures, different kinds of, uh, you know, the, the Cobbles offer great stuff, Denmark offered uh, great stuff. Um, and then I found some different perspectives, like at the finish line, um, that have given me some really great shots that I'm really happy about. So all in all, it's been a pretty solid experience. Um, opening week given the fact that our, our our ability to work is still very tightly restricted
2: yeah ed you've just uh arrived you're just about to kind of set off on on, on following the tour through the alps how's it looking
1: that's that's a very really good question I'll, I'll know when i get there i mean it, it is true that this is my first tour since 2019 I, I didn't go out on the on the for the 2020 tour and 2021 tour um, travel restrictions in covid were kind of Getting in the way, and um, decided not to cover the tour on the ground. There's no doubt; it looks tougher than it used to be. It's it's harder to get access. You know, you can't talk to so many riders as you used to. And um, that you know, there is still access, but but not but not much. So I I, I will see, and I'll I'll report back on that because I do think that you know the tour is built on its stories, and it was set up by journalists. It has developed as a as a. Know, first through newspapers, then radio, then, then then television. But, all you know, the common linking factor to that is the the tour needs coverage. It needs impartial coverage um, to have any <coughs> meaning. Otherwise, it's just PR. And, you know, hopefully a good compromise will be reached. I mean, public health has to take precedence, obviously. But beyond that, you know, the, the tour must never lose sight of the fact that it is first and foremost about telling the stories of what has happened because it's such a multi-dimensional, multifaceted, fascinating tapestry of an event. And um, I hope, you know, as James does with the imagery, that I can also, with words, you know, convey that. And I hope we're allowed
3: to do so. I'll see what you have to say, Ed, but it, I th- I'd i be surprised if you find that it's back to normal. Um, just, I mean, for for me, it's not at all back to normal. Uh, you'll see things like in the press room. Reality is there. it's not, there's not nearly as many journalists. That's a reality that the the tour probably doesn't want to hear, but it's a reality. The nice thing is we don't have to fight to get a seat when we get in there. But, I mean, how many times would I get into Morzine? I mean, Morzine, I always remember barely ever being able to get a place to sit. Um, A lot of press rooms, you know, just jam-packed. And that hasn't been the case at all. Parking to get to the press room has not been a problem. And because there's not as many guys in the press room. Uh, Obviously, some of the magazines said, we learned with COVID that we can do some aspects of the journalism from home um, and with, with limited access. That was another thing. So they're sending fewer people on the road, but um, yeah, it's, it's not back to where it was in 2019. That said, I mean, it is much easier than it was the last two years. I'll tell you that. And and you can talk to riders and, and you can get um, certain things, you know, and teams are, are doing their best to, to make that happen. But yeah, we're not back to, where we were and we need to be to keep the tour as popular as it has been for the last century
2: and is the publicity caravan still the same as it was i mean that always you know looked like a public health incident waiting to happen
3: Uh, yeah it's it's still out there making just as much noise creating just as much havoc on the roads and and i do everything i can to avoid it and i've done a pretty good job so far this year so that's another reason why i've had a pretty good pretty good time on the tour
2: Okay, James, thank you very much for joining us. Ed, uh, thanks, and enjoy uh, your first tour in a couple of years. That's it from this edition of Ruler Conversations. If everything hangs together, we'll be back later this week as the race continues through the mountains. We'll catch up then.